listening to Reframed, the Power of Perspective podcast, and I'm your host, Carly Marquier. As both a Christian counselor and communicator, I want to equip you with the tools and truths that renew your mind and empower your soul. As we explore popular topics influencing our perspectives, I want to offer practical techniques for reframing unhealthy thinking patterns and provide step-by-step pathways for emotional and spiritual health. You know, this process of untangling our automatic thoughts and attitudes is not always easy, but thankfully God's word gives us instruction on how to reframe our thoughts, renew our minds, and redeem our perspectives in light of the gospel. It is this framework we will use to dispute discouragement, eliminate emotional reasoning, and empower our pursuit of abundant life. So are you ready? Let us explore our current perspectives, expose distortions we have come to believe, and grow deeper in our understanding of God's transforming power. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Reframed. I'm so excited for this episode because this is a special edition of Reframed because you're not just hearing from me today, but you will get to hear from a special guest. Um, today in the studio, I have my clinical mentor, colleague, and friend, Jen robinson Garin. She's a licensed professional therapist and the director of Blackwater Counseling here in Lynchburg, Virginia. She specializes in prenatal mood and anxiety disorders, adoption. She also works with mindfulness and dialectic behavioral therapy, trauma-focused informed therapy, and certifications in trauma-focused CBT. Jen, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today. Sure. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So today, the episode is entitled uh, Top 10 Reasons Why You Should Go to Therapy. So for those of you listening, if you don't have a therapist yet, maybe after this, you will want to get one. And I hope we can convince you because there are so many incredible reasons to go to therapy, and we're just going to kind of banter back and forth about the reasons why we've gone to therapy and go to therapy and why we um, see it as a productive and beautiful place to find healing and support as both being therapists and sitting in the other side of the the chair. So um, I think one of the main reasons, and I say the reason to reframe this and why I'm bringing this up in this series is because I think specifically within the Christian context, there's still such an incredible stigma surrounding the idea of seeking support. I want to reframe that kind of thinking because just like any other thing, we go and get checkups and we check in with our physical health and dentist office and we go and even get our eyes checked. And so where is the space and time for us to check in emotionally and make sure that our thoughts and our feelings are being listened to and given room to have voice. In Proverbs 20, verse 5, it says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And so there's this beautiful uh, like layer within a lot of the Proverbs, as you keep reading, like Proverbs 11, 14, with, um, where there is no guidance, people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is safety. And so there's this beautiful kind of paradigm mm-hmm. set in scripture yeah. for us to be people of understanding, to, to mm-hmm. sit with things and grow in them and also to not do it alone. Mm-hmm. Like we are made for relationships. And so the cliche of abundance of counselors, there is safety. I think there is such safety within the counselor and client relationship Hopefully, and if you've had a bad experience, I'm very sorry, um, because we know that happens. We'll talk more about that at the end of this episode. But in general, isolation, walking through life isolated, that's not what we are created for. And scripture tells us that we are to seek counsel and we are to confess sin and struggle with one another and to carry each other's burdens. So in many cases, I 
I want to encourage this introspection um, as we go through the, the topics today of what does it mean to need therapy? And hopefully we can come to the conclusion all together and from an integrative perspective that everybody needs therapy because everybody's human and everybody has experienced pain in some way. And so what does it look like for us to normalize support for emotional stewardship? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. These are my top 10 reasons why I think anyone can find a reason to go to therapy because you, if you're human, you're going to be on this list. Um, there are so many options to explore in therapy. So number one, basic, this is ground level stuff here, gaining self-awareness. <laughs> I don't know about you, Jen, but I think it's funny when, you know, that people come in and, and we'll talk. And even for myself, like I literally thought I knew myself before I went to therapy. And then you go to therapy and you say something out loud and you're like, Oh my gosh, did I, did I, do I really think that? Do I really feel that? Or there's just so much depth to getting to know yourself. And so what do you see when you, as a therapist, and then also this like parallel process, how do you see self-awareness being just a foundational aspect of going to therapy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of a you know a couple different sessions where um, we talked about, and I don't know if you have seen Carly. Maybe you and I have talked about this. There's that drawing or cartoon or whatever, and it says like it has like a picture of like a ball of yarn that's all knotted up, and is and then it's like, yeah. <laughs> and then it's the therapist, and then it's as, as you're doing the session, it's sort of like putting that ball of yarn like mm. into a. I don't want to say a neat ball of yarn, but definitely sort of unwinding those um, knots and and kind of straightening out a little bit so you can see it more clearly, you know. Um, and I I have definitely sat with people, and I think some of our our most some of the the therapy sessions that I look back on and think you know it was productive and it, it was maybe you know hopefully it was helpful. It wasn't the whatever model or training or something I was using, but it was, yeah, but it was um, maybe taking, we would name things. We're naming things. We're naming processes. We're saying, here's this thing. Let's hold it up to the light. And when you hold it up to the light, what are the pieces of it that you see? Um, And so I think that comes back to, to your number one here is, is kind of, um, being aware, you know, we think we know ourselves, but when we really hold those things out and we have somebody there witnessing it, maybe we see different pieces of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It, I love the idea of like connecting the dots. I was reading this beautiful devotional recently and the the 
writer said, you know, there was this man that put just all these dots on a page as the students were looking at like the, the board. And, and so often in their, our lives, there's like these just random dots, you know, and it's like, how do we connect the dots? And at the, at the mm-hmm. end of putting all these dots on the board, he drew a treble clef at the beginning and started drawing lines up um, on all the dots. And it was this beautiful symphony, um, this page yeah. of music that he wrote on the board. But oftentimes if we're not paying attention, if we're not seeking an understanding, we miss out on like how all those dots will create some something beautiful, how they yeah. tell a story. And our story is so mm-hmm. unique and important. There's value there to, to seeking yeah. understanding in it. Making meaning yeah. Of it. Perspective. Yeah. 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 So in addition to that, we have two, and I think this is again, <laughs> very basic level, but evaluating emotional health needs. Now, what, what are some things that people, if they were coming to therapy, you could just baseline, what are some emotional needs that people need to evaluate on a pretty consistent basis? Yeah, I think, um, man, it could be all different things. I mean, evaluate our emotionally in, in relationships, you know, I mean, again, it, it comes back, I think to that, um, you think you have a certain perspective on something and then as you, as you talk about it and name it in a space where it's safe, you see maybe something different, you know, and, yes. and, oh, well, there is this other piece of things, you know, or, oh, wow, you really realize, um, you know, maybe there's a way that you've been kind of interacting with someone in kind of contempt or something. Mm-hmm. And, and Carly, you and I talk about, and you even mentioned it here, parallel process, yeah, right? Yeah. Because what happens in therapy is that sort of, you know, and for the therapist as well, whatever is is happening, this, this session becomes this kind of dynamic place mm-hmm. where whatever is kind of going on or the patterns or the things that you're carrying, you know, you, you bring it into this space and then you kind of work it out together, you know, through this relationship, it kind of brings light to things and, and can bring repair. Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, there's, I, I always do an exercise with a lot of my clients that is just basic self care, like just checking in, like, mm-hmm. let's just see if mm-hmm. you're eating and sleeping and uh, mm. meeting your basic emotional needs or basic human needs or social and you know, all of it is connected. And so we do that, that holistic work or just kind of checking in. Mm-hmm. Um, are you where you want to be? I think that's a really always a great question to ask yourself um, and who can help you get there. And sometimes that's a, a, a trusted therapist. Um, so number three, explore mm-hmm. relational dynamics and patterns. You kind of mentioned this and in going even deeper into this, I yeah. think family systems work is so incredible. If any of us can attest to this, it's that our families, um, we're not perfect, right? <laughs> no one is. And so yeah. the, the messages <laughs> and the things that we bring into or from, we bring from our families into our now maybe even adult relationships, um, dating relationships, marriages, et cetera our community, they impact us, right? Pete Scazzaro, um, author of Emotional Healthy Spirituality, says that Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa is still in your bones. And I think that's such a great way to put it. Like you got to know where you came from and the patterns in that life um, of life are going to be impactful. So I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that, just why it's important to know our relational patterns and attachments, et cetera. 
Yeah, I love that. I, you know, and I think that is a lot of what we do. I mean, talking about, you know, bringing the things in, in this, so having a relationship with the, you know, a good relationship with the therapist, it being sort of alive and there being this, um, you know, these, these transactions, these relational transactions back and forth where, where these things, these patterns from our lives um, have a platform, you know, and we can look at them and kind of name them. But, but yeah, it all goes back to, you know, and, and we, we like to sort of push it aside, but it really does go back to those yep. initial attachment relationships with our parents, with our caregivers. It really it does. Really does. It really um, yeah. Number four, improving emotional awareness. So I differentiate this from self-awareness in the sense that some people will say, like, I'd, I'm not a feeler. And I think it's always such a funny thing. Like, well, you have feelings. You might just be blocking them. Yeah. <laughs> you might just not be as in tune with them. So I oftentimes will ask my yeah. even my friends, I'll be like, what are you feeling? And they're like, I have no idea. I'm like, like check in with your body. Like just sometimes we need to learn how to do that, right? One of my clients said it beautifully. She said, I don't want to just react to things. I want to learn how to respond rather than react. And I think that's such a beautiful way of putting it, being able to learn a responsiveness to our emotional state rather than a reactiveness to our emotional state. I love that too, Carly. I, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that's a big, a big piece of, of, of what we're doing. And, and let's be honest. I mean, I think in our own journeys, that's something that we, you know, it's oh, something sure. that we talk about. Continual process. <laughs> yes, exactly. So again, it's kind of like doing the work and doing the work, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, so going from, and, and sometimes I'll, I'll kind of show clients, you know, I'll put my, my hands up and say, you know, we want to go from, from where there's a, there's a trigger, there's something that happens mm. and there's this knee jerk, like snap, right. To yeah. where there's a trigger and then there's a span of time and then <laughs> you choose how you want to respond. Right. Yeah. 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 And that, that is not something we are, we are not born like that. No. We have to learn how to do that. That's right. School doesn't teach you that. College doesn't teach you that, you know? <laughs> We have to go to therapy to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> right? To slow it down. Sometimes that's all it is. It's it's as we slow it down yeah. and then we can kind of see, oh, this is what's happening. You know, but life mm-hmm. moves so quickly we we don't we often take that space, I think, that breath. All right, number five, uh, addressing distress related to transitions, trauma, or tough seasons. I kind of group these all together, and this is mm-hmm. such a vast thing, but I am, I would say, the poster child for adjustment disorder. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Hashtag adjustment disorder. That's like always my diagnosis when I go to therapy because I'm just horrible at change. Like I hate change so much. Any change, any kind of change. It could be good change. It could be bad change. It's just really hard for me. And so- um, I not to negate that, right? Like it's okay if you have a good change in life, like getting married or moving to a home or changing jobs, getting a promotion. These are beautiful things, and yet we often say, "I can go to therapy for that." It was a good thing. Why? Why am I having such distress or anxiety or whatever the symptom is that's causing you to want to go? And so, just like a transition can be positive or negative, obviously traumas and tough seasons are absolute great times to come in and unload and process with someone else. Yeah, that, oh, I love this one too. You're right. You know, this is again, something that we've talked about in in our work together and kind of, 
going through um, as we, you know, have transitions in our lives. And just exactly like you said, um, you know, I don't know, getting married, having a child, these things that are we maybe view as positive, you know, um, that it also it's still sort of crisis, you know, it still sort of kicks everything up in us. And as we as we move from that one season to the next, but Again, I think, you know, part of our culture is like, go, 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 mm. just keep going and sort of push it back down, you know, so when we stop to to feel it and look at it, you know, to see kind of what is going on there and sort of, you know, something we talk about is sort of grieving the, yes. the losses in each, you know, phase that we go through. I love working with, with my clients on, you know, just being with them through transitions. Yeah. I love that you mentioned grief because I think Whatever the stage and transition may be to be able to say like, but you have to grieve the the loss of the beauty of that season, right? Life is so complex and there's so many uh, elements I'm learning even now still continually that there's, I can look at something and say there's such beauty in this and there can also be such hard parts mm. <laughs> and dark parts too. And so holding space for both of those things yeah. is so important um, with transition. Uh, so number yeah. six is receive mm-hmm. support from an unbiased perspective. This is a pretty basic thing. I don't know anyone in your life. And so if you come to me for therapy, you get a completely unbiased perspective, like your friends and your family, your mom, your dad, like yeah. they're going to tell you what they yeah. want you to know based on their perspective or something. And so this kind of gives you a, yeah. an outside perspective on maybe a, a close problem. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that I, I will, especially I'll, I'll tell, you know, kids and teenagers that I'm working with that I'm going to try to be as honest as I can with you. You have all these people in your life who want something from you. They want you to behave. They want you to, I don't know, come in at, at, on time at night, you know, to, they want you to get good grades. I'm right here. This is a space where there's thing that I want from you. I'm going to give you honest feedback. And at the same time, I care for you, you know? And so it's, it's that balance of sort of acceptance and change and, and, Mm. um, having compassion and also, sometimes I'm going to kick your butt, you know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't always play nice in the therapy no, room. Right? I think, you know, I love it when you've had maybe a therapy relationship that's gone on for a while. When you get to that place yeah. where it's like, hey, come on, come on now. And you can kind of, you, your, your client trusts you enough, you know, that you can kind of call them out on things and it's, it's mm. still safe. Yeah. And it just sounds different. Like even in my own therapy process as the client, being able to like respond differently to my therapist than I would my mother or my therapist rather than like a friend. Um, She can say stuff that I'm like, okay, you're right. Like, whereas like I might have a harder time if it was someone else closer to me, you know? (laughs) That's true. It's a good, it's a good uh, humbling experience for sure. (laughs) Good point. Uh All right. So the next one on our list is gaining insight into a problematic behavior, habit, or addiction. So this is a spectrum again, but if there's something in our lives that like is a problem and we can identify a problem as in like something is not going well, like if, if it's affecting school, if it's affecting your job, if it's affecting your relationships, do you see most people coming to therapy for problematic behaviors or do you see it like they come for something else and then like, Oh, 
the problematic behavior comes out. Yeah. You know what? That's a good point. I think it could go both ways. You know, you have people who have a crisis um, and come in, you know, I don't know if it, um, something, something goes really wrong, you know? And so, and they come in and to deal with that, you know, problematic behavior. And then maybe we look at it and then we work on some getting to the roots to really see what, what was going Mm -hmm. on there that created it. But Mm -hmm. then you have other clients who maybe come in and it's, I don't know, they just want, you know, they're thinking I'm going to come in just to kind of get some support or talk through, I don't know, something that's maybe sounds um, sort of benign. And then here it is, you know, once they feel safe, once they feel safe enough, it it kind of comes out. Mm. Yeah. And I think there's something really important about gaining insight, because I think for a lot of people and myself included, when I've had a, a problematic situation or behavior in my own life, and even I've seen this in clients' life, they don't really mm-hmm. want to talk about it because there's so much shame or there's so much guilt or there's this internal dialogue that we have about the problem and why we shouldn't tell anyone about it. Um, and, and But by gaining mm-hmm. insight, we understand why, right? So I always say, and we always say in therapy, right? Every behavior meets a need. So the, the habits and behaviors, even addictions that we engage in yeah. are pointing to something deeper. And so this gaining of insight allows us to one, understand why we do what we do and to normalize it to the base of the need. So it's not about the habit. It's not about the behavior or the addiction. It's more about how that thing is functioning for us and helping us cope or helping us forget or distracting us from something else. And so it does go back to this idea of gaining awareness and mm-hmm. emotional regulation, et cetera. The point of the insight is to be able to be gentle with yeah. ourselves and understand why we do what we do. I like that. Be gentle with ourselves. Yeah. Cause we think, you know, that's a good point. Go to therapy to deal with, you know, an addiction or something like that. It's like, you know, we have this feeling of like, well, I just, I have to work on it harder and, you know, I need my yeah. therapist to kind yeah. of like push me in this. And really what often happens is, is no, it's like the opposite, you know, it's how can mm-hmm. I learn to have compassion for myself and yeah. sort of see where, of course, that this, this developed in, you know, in relation to this stress or whatnot. All right. Number eight, decreasing stress. And this is just a very uh, human thing. And so if you're stressed yeah. out, Go see a yeah. therapist. <laughs> it's, it's okay that if you're having stress, you might need some tools yeah. and tricks that we have that can right. help. <laughs> and like you said earlier, Jen, I think it's so important. Like, just slow down. Like, I know I need to go back to therapy <laughs> when it looks like a disaster. My my closet is like climbing wow. out and my dishes are not done because I don't have enough time, right? Like that is the, that's the baseline. I'm not, if I'm not taking enough time to clean up my spaces and I'm not taking enough time to engage with myself and my emotions and stress builds and that's toxic to our bodies. If you're feeling sick, if you're having aches and pains, it can be of stress in our lives. And so Mm -hmm. this is an awareness of checking in and being like, Hey, I need to take space to rest. Yeah. Carly, I love that, that you have those three things that tip you off. Like, that is yeah. awesome. I'm trying to think about that now, you know? Like, what are my, what what are things? Are my, you know, and I did, I actually, I told a client one day, because we were talking about um, 
you know, as a mom, like never putting yourself first, mm, <laughs> like taking yeah. care of everybody else. And I said to her, you know, I had a, a moment where I was at home and I was, I don't know, I was probably trying to work from home and, and I was probably, you know, had my kid with me and I had, I had recognized, which, which let's give like credit for this. This is good. I had recognized <laughs> that I was thirsty. Sometimes that doesn't even happen, right? <laughs> when you're good. stressed, like you push aside, like noticing all those things. Yeah. But anyway, I recognized that I was thirsty. And so I had gotten out like a glass, right? But did I get myself water? Mm. No, like I set the glass on the counter and then went about the 10 other things I was doing. And I came back to it later and realized, you know, what, (laughs) this is where there's a priority that needs to shift a little bit, you know, and like, let's be gentle with it. I don't want to like, you know, be too, you know, beat myself up about it, but Mm -hmm. gosh, I've got to get myself the glass of water, you know, so that I can function. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good analogy for therapy. Give yourself yeah. a glass of water. I know. <laughs> Sit down yeah. and drink it. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> All right. The last two, n- number nine is increasing coping strategies. We all cope, right? Everybody copes. You have coping strategies. I have coping strategies. Those of you listening, you have coping strategies. The question is, are they helpful and healthy? Are they causing more distress in your life than they are? And what are they? Maybe you don't have adaptive ones that are actually working for you. And so learning to kind of build a toolbox is so important. I mean, I don't know how many people I've seen that just come in and don't really know why they are doing something um, when they're triggered and we go back and, you know, talk about the ABCs of like, okay, you have an acting event and then you have a thought and that thought impacts your feeling. And then your feeling causes your behavior. And just that understanding, then we can add these coping strategies of Mm -hmm. let's stop that thought. You know, let's create um, a different cycle. Let's reframe that thought or belief and how basic those skills can be. They're simple things simple shifts in our thinking or in our, and our acting and practices that we can start working on that have such a drastic impact on the way that we respond to situations. I like how you said shifts. It's, it's, you know, simple and mm-hmm. shifts. Oh, sometimes it's hard, but yeah, I mean, and we can take it back again to um, pandemic and sort of what are, you know, haven't had, haven't had conversations. I don't think, well, trying to think, I guess with a couple of friends, we've had conversations about the coping strategies that we've had, you know, during the pandemic, but yeah, I mean, let's think about that. You know, everything got kind of ramped up um, for us and, yeah. you know, a lot of the ways that we were maybe used to dealing with life, we couldn't do, or they weren't working. And so what mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, what happened as a result? Like I joke around, you know, I, I ate a lot of ice cream, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, or with, um, court-ordered youth who, um, you know, maybe had some substance abuse issues or something. And so, you know, something we would talk about was we're talking about coping skills. So only have that one way. What happens when you're not doing that? How do we help you maybe maybe find some some other ways mm. too, you know? Yeah. You have to have more than one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. Like that. All right. Well, the last one that we'll talk about today to- out of our top 10 is identifying the root cause of symptoms such as anxiety, depression, et cetera. You can throw in any emotional word there. But sometimes we don't know why we feel the way we do. 
And it's helpful to get some insight on that. You know, I, I think 95% of the people that come to me, and even sometimes when I've gone to therapy, is like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way in this situation. Or I don't know why this particular thing is making me feel this way, but I want to understand, right? I want to be a person of understanding. I want to go into the waters mm-hmm. and draw out the deeper meaning for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, these symptoms are telling us something. And I'll talk about that in a future episode, right? Our emotions are telling us something. We have to listen to them and ask the question, what is my body telling me? And and, and how can I attend to it? I thought you brought it back to that, Carly. Um, what is my body telling me? How can I attend to it? That's beautiful. You know, again, it's like, we push those things away so often, you know, um, it's hard to look at these things. It's hard to kind of go into, like you said, those waters, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and yet they're there for a reason. We were created this way, you know, for a reason and to be integrated, you know, all of us. Yeah. So I love, I love this conversation. I know we probably could give you so many more (laughs) reasons why you should go to therapy. (laughs) We're kind of biased, I know, but, um, I would love to just, end our time by giving some next steps and just clear kind of, Hey, I've listened to this episode. Maybe you're listening right now. And you're like, maybe I could go to therapy now. I think I might be able to do that. Well, it comes to acknowledging our need for support. Having sat on both sides of the counseling room, I can tell you how powerful the process and practice of vulnerability and honesty has been for me. And as a therapist, I am changed and challenged by every brave soul that sits across from me because I am on this journey alongside them and I grow mm. with them. And so to, to be honored with your story, that is, I hope that you know, when you go into therapy, that that is the space that we want to hold for you. Um, and that's the the heart of the profession um, in general. So Jen, what are some, some clear next steps for people, like how to find a therapist, questions to ask, yeah. what's the um, process like? Yeah, it's, it's hard. You know, I, we had somebody who said to us, it's, I feel like I'm doing like an online dating, like profile or something, you know, like <laughs> yeah, trying, great to get, analogy. trying to get matched up with a therapist that sort of fits me because I mean, the, yeah. you know, all of our different personalities and style. I mean, I think the mm. biggest thing is probably, um, just keep going. You know, I've had, um, a few, you know, people I've talked with in the past even few weeks who have said, like, I tried this therapist and this wasn't helpful for me or it just didn't connect or, you know, and it's with me as well. Someone will come to me and I may not be the best fit for them. So I think sometimes doing the, a consult, ask, ask, um, you know, whoever you're looking at as a therapist, see if they do like a free 15 minute consult so that you can kind of ask the questions that are important to you, you know, um, ask them, I would love to hear what, you know, ask them if they've done their own therapy, <laughs> you know, Carly and I, we've, we've brought that into this. Yeah. Carly, I love how you brought it back to that in this conversation, but you're right. It's, it's, um, where in the interns and the residents that I supervise, it's, and I do, I'm in my own therapy as well, you know, um, but I really, I want to make sure that they've been on that side yes. of the, of the chair too, you know, so, um, and I would say in my therapy is, is the work that I do is as informed by my own personal therapy yeah. as it is by anything else, you know? Yep. 
Yeah. So sorry, that didn't probably, Carly, we joke about how, you know, you're linear sometimes in your thought and I am (laughs) circular. No, I love all the things you just said. (laughs) We need both. No, and I think you hit all of the things I had on my linear list of just looking for a good fit. Like it's okay if you don't like your therapist when you go to an intake, you know, the first, the first 10 minutes, the first hour, and the, you know, the first session, you might be like, I don't know, go back a few times and be like, you know, maybe this isn't for me. That's okay. I tell people that all the time in the first session, like we can give this a few tries. I'm going to check in with you and be like, how do you, how is this working for you? You know, and maybe your therapist doesn't ask you that, but you can ask that question and then go back and say, you know what? I think I'm going to try to find a different fit. This is what I'm looking for. There's um, psychologytoday.com. You can literally look at lists of therapists. You can read their bios. You can look at their face. You can maybe even give them a phone call. I talk to a lot of my clients on the phone before I even schedule with them. And so it's just being able to kind of find that fit. Like you were saying, shop around, go a few times ask the questions that you might have. I mean, oftentimes this recently I had a new client come in and we went through the whole session. And then I said, do you have any questions for me? And she goes like, what's your name again? (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, we've gone like literally an hour and a half and you didn't know my name. I feel so bad. Um, but she, it was just a funny moment of like, this is real life. Like we have to get to know each other and this is a new relationship. So it takes time to, to know. And then in addition to that, the last thing I was thinking, and I'd love for you to add to this as we close out, is embrace the suck. I say this, and I've been yes. told this. <laughs> Therapy is hard sometimes. Feelings are hard sometimes. But keep going. And the challenge of this is to take on this courage of I'm going to keep going back and pressing in to understand more and to learn more and to grow more. It's it's a powerful process. It is. Uh, I love it. And yeah, embrace the suck. We will often tell people. <laughs> After the first session, hey, especially if it was a really, you know, if it was a a, a tough one, hey, you're not going to want to come back next week. And I recognize those feelings are going to be there. But, you know, because it's hard to start, you know, unlayering yourself and telling your story. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we often will, you know, I'll talk about that after that first session and that it's, it's, it's okay, push through, you know, if you feel like I'm maybe a good fit for you, or you, you know, then push through and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, you know, as we go. But um, yeah, I think it comes back to that whole, you know, the, the, the only way out is, is, is through, you know, we want to find any other way. And it's like hustle, right? It's probably Carly, you're like, health conscious and running and everything, you know, and it's like the same thing with this is, is that it takes, it's sort of painful um, to, to dig in and start looking Mm. at these things. And yet there's like a good feeling too, right? Like when you, wouldn't you say when you've come out of your own therapy? Yeah. You have a good session and you're like, I'm crying, but that was really good. Yeah. That oxytocin feels great. (laughs) You know, you just get that cry going. (laughs) I always tell people crying is a good thing. We want to see tears. It means you're processing. Your body's going to make you feel good. (laughs) You feel a little raw after, but no, it's, it's definitely a process that's, that's, you can find treasures in that for sure. All right. Uh, Jen, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. Um, I've really enjoyed talking through this. And hopefully those of you listening, um, this will be an encouragement to check it out. I will link some websites to the show notes so that you can check out how to find a therapist and just kind of some question and answers that 
will be helpful along the way. So thanks so much, Jen. And I hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Reframed, the Power of Perspective podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe and drop a comment. To access more content and to join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, you can visit my website at carlymarcoulier.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Reframed, the Power of Perspective podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe and drop a comment. To access more content and to join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, you can visit my website at carlymarcoulier.com. Reframed, the power of perspective is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed Carly's episode today, we would love it if you left the show a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. It really does help more people like you find the show. This podcast was produced by me, Kelly Givens, and Steven Sanders, with executive oversight by Stephen McGarvey. To find more faith-filled, encouraging podcasts like this one, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.